for listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church, Nassau, Bahamas with Dr. J. Sims. We hope that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to you. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drought, or draught, or a catch. And Simon answering and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the catch of fishes which they had taken. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I ask you to bless the word today. You know every person that is in this room. You know every need that is represented here. Speak through me. Speak, Lord, to your people. Let there be a word in season for somebody today. And Lord, we'll give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just before I start preaching again, I just want to prophesy first to somebody here and tell you that someone hearing this message, whether you're in this room, I don't know who this is for, whether they're watching by television, uh, God is getting ready to do something so powerful and so awesome in your life that, I mean, that you would not even believe it if I told it to you. In fact, the Lord said to tell my people, I'm getting ready to release some ridiculous blessings into their lives. So I prophesy to you right now that God is getting ready to send some ridiculous blessings into your life. Ridiculous. That means they will be outrageous. They will be ludicrous. Unbelievable. I mean, when they start coming, for some of you, it's almost going to be laughable. God is getting ready to bless you in such a ridiculous way that if I told you so, if I told you right now, it would sound crazy and outrageous and unbelievable that you probably would fall over laughing. Ask your neighbor, can you handle a ridiculous blessing? I mean, there are blessings, and then there are great blessings, and there are 
ridiculous blessings. I just wonder if there's anybody in this house that is ready for a ridiculous blessing. Now, let, let, me, let me get into the text. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret or by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, uh, let me stop right there on the first verse and say that that's the message somebody here needs, just the first verse. A and that is, the first line says that it came to pass. And I believe I'm to tell somebody that whatever the situation and the circumstance that you find yourself in and you're going through, I must tell you it is only temporary and it's not going to last forever. In other words, it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. You're going through and the Lord said to tell you it's temporary. I, I don't know if you ever noticed, no hurricane has ever come through the Bahamas that lasted forever. No storm lasts forever. The wind, it quits blowing and the rain does stop. Come on. And the sun will shine again. I don't know who that's for, but I'm, it may have been dark for you. It might have been dark, but the sun is about to shine again. Before you ever went through that trial, God already marked on the calendar when that trial was going to end. I tell you, every situation, every problem you got has an expiry date on it. Tell your neighbor, it won't be long now. And then it says, they pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Let me tell you, the most important thing in your life is the word of God. The answer to every problem in your life will come from the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That is why it is so important where you go to church. Come on. I mean, we sang about the blood. Did you know that there are some churches that will not sing about the blood anymore? They have taken the blood, songs with the blood, out of their hymn books. They're saying it's a slaughterhouse religion and it's not necessary anymore. But I want to tell you today, I, I might be old-fashioned. Come on. I, I might be uh, fundamental and some of you might even think mental. <laughs> but I want to tell you, I still believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. I said, I still believe in the power of the blood. I still believe in pleading the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my wife here. I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I plead the blood of Jesus over Christian Life Church. I believe there is power, wonder-working power in the blood. The Bible says the life is in the blood. Come on, the life is in the blood. And I thank God for the blood. The Bible says in Revelation 12, they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So I give God thanks for the blood. There is power in the blood. But I want to tell you something, that we still believe in the blood. So it's important, you know, that uh, we still believe in divine healing. We still believe in the 
baptism of the Holy Ghost. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We still believe. I, I still believe that God wants to bless his people. Okay. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. The fishermen were gone out of them. I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but there is a very high attrition rate among ministers of the gospel. Many are quitting the ministry. And I don't know who I'm talking to, and I'm sure it's probably some minister watching by television. You have almost decided that you just want to throw in the towel, and you felt like you wanted to get out of the ministry. I want to tell you this, people, the ministry is not always easy. Come on, it's not always what you see. Come on, I'm going to tell you, some of you people here, I tell you, we have a great number of ministers in Christian life. Amen. Our goal is every member a minister. Come on. And we want everybody to find their place and fit and function and flourish in the house of God and in our community to make a difference. But the ministry is not always easy. And if you're going to be in ministry, you need to have a tough hide but a soft heart. So let me speak specifically to men and women of God who are in the ministry right now, but for one reason or another, you have become discouraged, and you are at the point of throwing in the towel, and you felt, and I know you're not turning your back on God, but you have felt like it's not worth it. I'm getting out of the ministry. Maybe you have been hurt. Maybe you've been lied on and stabbed in the back. People took advantage of you, but I want to say to you, this is not a good time to quit. I want to tell you that this is not a time to quit and get out. It's time to put, come on, yourself wholeheartedly back in the ministry. Jesus never said it would be easy. He said to count the cause. There is a blessing waiting just around the corner. Come on, just over the hill. God, come on, has something prepared for you. Amen. You can make it. And it will be worth it all. So be steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. So I just came to tell you, don't quit. Don't leave yet. Come on, don't walk away from what you know that God has called you. You'll not be happy doing anything else. And if you're not called to the ministry, that is a pulpit ministry or a five-fold ministry of an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, don't try to put yourself in that position. You want to find your place. See, I believe secular work is full-time ministry. Come on. Uh, amen. Uh, and Sister Hope, I believe what you are doing is full-time ministry to serve the country and to serve the nation. So no matter what area, whether you're going to serve in public office or you're going to serve as a teacher, a banker, come on, an accountant, whatever you do, it's full-time ministry wherever you are. Come on, we do people sometimes a disservice to take them out of some marketplace area and say you need to be in the ministry and we bring them over to the church and then they don't touch the lives of people they used to touch. But I'm talking about today that God has a ridiculous blessing. So do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season 
You shall reap if you faint not. I want to tell you, there is a new season for somebody here today. I don't know who it is, but my God, you have sowed and you have given and you have prayed and you've been faithful. I want to tell you, don't give up now because there is a due season for you. And verse 3 says, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now, the word here is not just, again, on the seashore speaking. The word has now entered into Peter's boat. It is one thing to hear the word. It is another thing to do the word. So I just want to say to you, if God speaks to you in this message today, one word. I want to encourage you. You make the decision. I'm going to take some action on that word. I think I told you a week or so ago about this young couple who traveled in one car 24 hours because God told them to go somewhere. He had a word for them. They went and they heard the word of God. They got in their automobile, drove back 24 hours. They took action on that word, and it brought them into their greatest blessing and breakthrough that they had ever experienced. One word from God could turn everything around for you today. No wonder David said, thy word have I hid in my, my heart that I might not sin against thee. So it has, the word has to get more than just your head. It has to get in your heart. The Word is the seed that God uses to bring every blessing into your life. So whatever it is you need, whether it's healing, deliverance, promotion, greater anointing, household salvation, it all comes through the Word of God. But you have to go a step further. It's not enough just to have the Word in your heart. You must be a doer of the Word. He said, be ye doers of the Word and not a doer. Not just a hearer, but be a doer lest you deceive yourself. The Bible even goes further as to call the person. Listen now. I'm glad it's the Bible doing this, not me. It calls the person who does not do the word a fool. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. I want to tell you, you're building on something today. I don't know what you're building on, but I want to tell you, uh, the thing that you need to build your life upon is the word that you hear and the word that you start taking action on. Peter could have sailed all over that lake with the incarnate word of God in his boat and nothing would have changed. He could have even heard every word he said and still his boat and his nets would have never been filled with fish. He had to do something very important. He had to obey the word. I'm preaching about a ridiculous blessing. But I can't just tell you about the blessing. I've got to show you how to get in position to receive that blessing. Someone here today is like Peter was on that day. You're looking at an empty boat. You're looking at empty nets. Come on, what's your catch, Peter? Nothing. What you got, Peter? Nothing. It's one thing to have something and another thing entirely to have nothing. Watch this. Something is, it's not the job I wanted, but at least I'm working. 
Something is, it's not the house that I wanted, but at least I got a roof over my head. Something is, it's not the relationship I dreamed of, but at least I got somebody. Something is, it's not the income I want. I could barely pay my bills, but I do have something. Something is, it's not the ministry yet I really want to be in, but you know what? It is something. Then there's nothing. You understand? Nothing in the bank account. Nothing in the wallet. No relationship with anyone special. No ministry opportunities. No job. Homeless. Nothing is working out. It feels like you're swimming in quicksand. And the harder you fight, the lower you sink. Peter said, we have toiled. That means I've labored. I've worked hard all night. I've taken nothing. I've caught not one. Gain nothing. You may have been in a night season. You may have been in a night. You might be in one right now, a season of sorrow, a season of emptiness, maybe a season of confusion and great struggle with nothing to show for it. But listen, if you believe and that you believe that what I'm saying today, if you will just believe the word of God, I prophesy to you that the season is getting ready to change. I stopped by to tell somebody weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Why don't you touch your neighbor right there and tell him the morning cometh. Just tell them morning cometh. Now tell them joy cometh. Joy cometh. I tell you what, God is about to restore somebody's joy back. God is about to restore some relationship back. God is about to heal somebody's marriage. God is about to save somebody's kids. God's about to turn some things around financially for somebody here. I came to tell somebody one word. Uh, you are one word away from your breakthrough. You're one word away from your miracle. You're one word away from that ridiculous blessing. Tell your neighbor, hold on. I feel change coming. Come on, just tell somebody, I feel change coming. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I prophesy God is going to do it, and God is going to turn it around for somebody. I said, I don't know how. I don't know when, but I know he has done it in the past, so I know he'll do it again. Come on. Someone said, do it again, Lord. Someone said, do it again. Whatever the devil meant for your evil, God is going to take it and make it work for your good. I hear the Lord saying to remind you, yes, that all things work together for good to those that love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Somebody is getting ready to step into the realm of the miraculous. Somebody is getting ready to step into their overflow. I feel an anointing for a ridiculous blessing in this house. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody is on the verge of a net-breaking boat sinking miracle. Somebody today, you've been told, you've been holding on to a word from God for a long time. You heard the word, you believe the word, you've confessed the word, and still your boat is empty. You're tempted to give up, turn the switch of faith off. But like Peter, you fished all night and caught nothing. You worked hard, done everything you know how to do. You prayed, you fasted. Come on, and still there has not been any manifestation. But I came to tell you, don't give up. You're standing on the brink of a miracle. 
Don't give in to feelings. Don't even give in to logic. You're one word away from your miracle. Peter launched out into the deep. Peter obeys. He pushes out into the deep water. Peter, let down your nets for a catch. Peter didn't have any problem with paddling out into deeper water. But when Jesus said, let down your nets for a draught, listen, the fight was on. Feeling versus faith. Reason versus faith. Logic versus faith. Past experiences versus faith. Disappointment and failures. All testifies to Peter's senses. And he argues with the Lord. And he, at first he says, Master, we have fished all night. We haven't even had a pick. We haven't even caught anything. What Peter was saying in so many words was, that's ridiculous. What Peter was saying in a nice way was, Lord, I, I know that you are the Son of God. I know you could cast out devils, heal the sick, and raise the dead. But, Lord, now, with all due respect, I'm the fisherman. <laughs> You're the preacher. Lord, I, I, I just, uh, I don't know if you know anything about fishing. Anybody who knows anything about fishing is with these nets. You don't drop your nets in the daytime when the sun is shining because the fish is going to see the nets. Tell your neighbor, if you want a ridiculous blessing, you may have to obey a ridiculous instruction. Come on, just tell your other neighbor, if you want a ridiculous blessing, you will have to be willing sometimes to look ridiculous. See, when you get ready to do the ridiculous is when God can do the miraculous. 2 Kings 4 verses 1 through 7 tells the story of a little widow whose husband died, left her in debt. They were coming to take her sons to make them bondmen to pay off the debt. She received an instruction from the prophet. The prophet said, borrow empty vessels, not a few. Then take your little pot of oil and pour into those vessels. How ridiculous. How ridiculous it must have looked for that widow woman and her two sons to be running all over town, borrowing empty vessels. What are you going to do with them? Oh, I'm going to fill them full of oil. Where are you getting the oil from? Well, I got a little pot of cooking oil up here in the cabinet. That's ridiculous. A little uh, pot of cooking oil. It won't fill all of those jars. But the little woman obeyed a ridiculous instruction from the man of God. She stepped into a ridiculous blessing. That oil filled every pot. And she got out of debt. And she lived on the rest. She lived in an overflow. What about Naaman, captain? He comes to the prophet to get healed. He had it all figured out how he was going to get his healing. And the man of God will come out and just wave his hand over the place and give him some money and he'd go home. But the prophet doesn't come out and wave his hand. He, In fact, he sends his servant out to him and says, if you want to be well, Go down and dip in the muddy Jordan River seven times. 
Naaman becomes furious. That's ridiculous. How could dipping seven times in a puny, muddy river get me healed? He protests. I mean, he said, you know, there are big, clean rivers over there where I've come from. And you know what? He almost let pride rob him of his miracle. But he obeys a ridiculous instruction from the man of God, and he starts dipping in the Jordan. What are you doing out there in that mud puddle, Naaman? I'm getting healed. That's ridiculous. Yes, but when Naaman was willing to look ridiculous and obey the ridiculous instruction, he received a ridiculous blessing. And on the seventh time, my God, he came again and he, his flesh looked like a little child. He was so clean. Is there anybody here today, you've come and you say, I need a ridiculous blessing. And then finally, Peter gives in and says, here's what he says. He said, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Peter made up his mind. It may look ridiculous, and all my friends may think I've lost my mind, but I'm going to obey the Lord. It sounds ridiculous to me. But when he had this done, he enclosed a multitude of fish. And the Bible said that the nets were at the point of breaking, and the boat was heavy in the water near sinking, and there were, other, uh, and there were so many fish that Peter had to call his partners to come and help him come on, and they filled their boats at the point of near sinking. Yes, when Peter obeyed a ridiculous instruction, it released a ridiculous blessing into his life. The only thing standing between you and your miracle today is an act of obedience. Some of you have your miracle on hold right now because you haven't done what God has told you to do. You can pray and you can fast, you can sow, you can cry, and nothing is going to happen until you obey God. Whatever he says to do, do it. I could think of other people that I could tell you about today that got a ridiculous instruction that brought them a ridiculous blessing. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I told you about Jehoshaphat, how he told them to put the choir out in front of the army. My God, how ridiculous. But when they began to sing and to praise God, God said, ambushments, my God, and everything the enemy had planned, God reversed it and turned it around. How about those four leprous men? Why sit we here till we die? We'll go to the Syrians and if they kill us, we're going to die anyway. So let's, let's die trying if that's what it takes. And on their way there, God took the sound of four leprous men, their feet touching the ground. He took the sound and relayed it into the enemy's camp and they heard a sound and they said, surely they have hired out the armies against us and they picked up, they left silver, gold, jewels, food, horses, camels, everything. They left it. When the four leprous men came in there, they began to collect the spoils. Food. But so much they 
ate to the full, then they started hiding it. Let me just tell you something. When God blesses you in this new season, don't miss this. Don't miss the purpose for the blessing. When God blesses you in this your due season, you see, those lepers said, we do not well because our family and friends are in the city starving. So when God starts blessing you, come on, sometimes it's because he wants to use you as a channel. Come on. He wants to use you as a channel because if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. And so when God starts blessing you, don't forget where the Lord has brought you from. And don't forget those people who may have not yet in their faith reached the point where they're reaching out and getting their blessing. Peter's obedience to a ridiculous instruction launched him into such a ridiculous blessing, he couldn't contain it all. In other words, somebody got blessed that wouldn't have been blessed if Peter did not obey this ridiculous instruction. Can I just ask him for a moment, what has God told you to do that you haven't yet done? Some people, they come, they're looking for a new word every Sunday, a new prophetic word. I just want to know, what did you do with the last word? Is it right for God to give you some new instructions when you haven't obeyed the old instructions? Ask, ask your neighbor, are you holding up for my blessing? In one act of obedience to a ridiculous instruction, Peter went from nothing to too much. A ridiculous blessing is a too much blessing. Is there anybody here who can handle and stand a little bit of a too much blessing? Malachi says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Is somebody ready to go from nothing to too much? Peter went from empty boats and empty nets to a net-breaking, boat-sinking, ridiculous blessing as an act of, from one act of obedience. I don't know what the Lord is telling you to do, and it may sound ridiculous, but on the other side of that ridiculous instruction is a ridiculous blessing. listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church with Dr. Jay Sims. We hope that this message has been a blessing to you.